Welcome to the Back Box Pinball Podcast, a podcast for lady pinballers and their friends. Each week, we will sit down with a guest and chat about news and events related to women in the sport and hobby of pinball. Now here's your host, Lauren Gray. Hey everyone, welcome to the Backbox Pinball Podcast. It's Lauren, how you doing? Thanks for joining me today. Before we introduce our guest, I have a couple of announcements and some thank yous. Firstly, thank you to each and every one of you that are listening right now for taking the time to take me with you on your pinball adventures. It means the world to me. When I started this a few months ago, I literally did not know how it would pan out. But it has exceeded my wildest expectations. It has been going incredibly well. Every episode has more and more downloads. And I have had the most amazing time getting to know women from across the country, across the world that share my love of pinball, and then being able to share that with each and every one of you. So thank you so much. It, it, there, there words cannot express how much you guys listening means to me. The first big piece of news I have is that we have a patron, an official patron. So I have to back up a few minutes or a few months, I should say. When I started the podcast, somebody said I should start a Patreon page. Nobody is going to want to pay to listen to me. Literally all. No. But someone did. And the link has always been there on the website, but I've never promoted it because I felt kind of weird about it. I was like, oh, I don't know. We'll see how this all pans out. Well, somebody found the link. And she has decided that there is value in the show and she wants to contribute. So I am so excited to announce our first official patron, Deanna Gerard. Thank you, Deanna. I am so excited. You actually donated on my actual birthday. Just kind of a synchronicity, kismet type event. And it you was the best birthday present ever. I was so floored by your donation. So thank you. But for the rest of you guys, you're like, hey, I want to donate too. And, and if you do, that's awesome. If you don't, that's awesome. We can still be friends. Um, but if you are interested in supporting the podcast, there is now a very prominent Patreon link on the website. You can go to backboxpinballpodcast.fireside.fm. In the top navigation bar, you will see a Patreon link. Just click on that and that'll take you to the Patreon page. There's two different trims or tiers for supporting the podcast. Um, leading into that, one of the tiers is a t-shirt. Yeah, we're going to have an official t-shirt, y'all. You can support the podcast and sport some cool swag with pride at your next pinball event. The shirts are not ready yet, but I wanted to let you know they are coming. And I am so excited about that. But Everything happens for a reason, and it's just been a crazy week this week, but I wanted to say a thank you again to everybody that listens to the show. It just means so much to me, and I'm glad you guys are enjoying it, because overall, the response has been super positive, so yay! All right, important part. Our guest today, she is super, super cool. I'm excited to have her on the show. She is the league coordinator for the Silver Ball Super League at the Level 1 Bar and Arcade from Columbus, Ohio. Help me welcome Miss Kim Martinez. Yay! Yay. <laughs> Kim, thank you so much for coming on the show and being here. We really appreciate uh, um, it. Thank you so much. Like I said, this is going to this is my first podcast ever. So, a little bit nervous about trying to sound knowledgeable. You're going to be great. It's all about sharing your passion and you're amongst friends. Believe me, everybody that's listening is super into pinball and you're super into pinball. So that's all we need to have a good time. Don't be nervous. It's going to be fun. I promise. All right. Sounds great. Kim, for all our listeners, tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, how you got started in the hobby and where you're at today. I started working at level one in 2015. I was only doing bartending at the time. And then they asked me kind of to start a pinball league. I had never done it before in my entire life, nor was I super duper into pinball at the time. This was around 2016, but I'm very, very dedicated. I like to try to do stuff to the best of my abilities, even if I have no idea what I'm doing. I met Cindy, who I believe right now is in Colorado, and I love her dearly. And she was a big, you know, part of the reason why I got into pinball and like, and play it now. Um, she introduced me to John Geiger, who is the owner of Arcade Super Awesome. And he basically was 
the person that taught me everything I know about organizing. He, if it wasn't for him, I would have been drowning because the idea of starting a league is very, very daunting, especially if you don't know what to look for, how to run it, um, stuff like that. So I've become very, very passionate about trying to teach people, especially new people, how to organize and actually put stuff together and be competent TD because I had a lot of bumps in the road and I had to like teach myself how to do that. And so then I'm also an extremely competitive person. So the minute I started doing competitive pinball, I became overwhelmingly into it. And, <laughs> and I was like, well, I'm going to be the best there. If I have to run this league, I guess I'm just going to have to be the best. <laughs> so I've become very, very into um, the competitive scene and playing that way. So it's been a really fun, you know, past three years at this point. And that's where I'm at. People always get so nervous about, you know, when they come out to league and, oh, well, you know, you've been playing forever and you're always at the top. And I'm like, you know, if I have a bad day, <laughs> I will be at the bottom just like everybody else. So oh, heck yeah. And that's what that's what I teach everybody is just, you know, anytime I try to rope in another person, it's always, dude, all it takes is one ball. Mm -hmm. Like you'll, you'll get me. I promise you that. Don't, don't ever think that I'm better <laughs> than you guys. I just happen to participate in a lot more events. So yeah, no, I totally agree with, you know, I just, I happen to play more pinball guys. You know, you just started and you just got here. I've just been playing more pinball and you know, you're going to have an awesome day and you're going to beat me and it, you're, it's going to be amazing. Yeah. I was just laughing. I'm like, you're going to beat me. Don't worry. <laughs> Your day will come. <laughs> I can't win every game. Oh, young Padawan, your day will come. <laughs> your day will come. Exactly. That's me. Oh, my goodness. Well, I love that, though. And I love the fact that you're, you know, bringing on not only bringing people into the hobby, but also kind of and we talked a little bit about this on the, the previous episode, helping other women kind of, you know, start leagues, run leagues, you know, learn how to do kind of the back end of it, because it is a lot of work it is <laughs> uh, running a league so I get so much out of it but there's a lot I put into it too it, it's not easy so kudos to you for taking that on I, I think that's always awesome when ladies are like step up and you know take on that challenge I think that's pretty awesome it's definitely become something that I've become very very passionate about is organizing and running events and you know being able to create and and uphold like this league that's kind of grown and become much more than what it is. And um, that's really important to me. I love it. So we're going to cruise into pinball news. As I told you, uh, listeners, we, t we always talk before the show before I actually hit the record button. But uh, the news is a bit thin this week. Not that there isn't stuff happening. It's just we've already reported on it. <laughs> so, um, you know, I didn't want to rehash, you know, interviews upon interviews. But I did want to ask you about the three big, game updates and game releases going on. Yeah. Um, firstly, the, the biggest one that's going on right now is Elvira. Ha, are you an Elvira fan? Um, did you like the previous two? Um, have you seen any of the gameplay from Deadflip or anything like that? I uh, I tune in every now and then to Deadflip. I'm, I'm very, very terrible at checking in on Twitch, even though we also stream. But I've seen the play field. I've seen the design. I'm, I'm pretty excited for it I, ha I i'm getting a lot of like medieval madness feels exactly with that castle in the back yeah. the way it looks i'm like mm. yeah and, and it looks fun because from from some of the from some of the gameplay that i did get to see uh looks like that house like the haunted house or whatnot uh just has a lot of different features to it and honestly i am more excited about this one than Munsters, if I'm honest. So no, totally agree. I remember Elvira from when I was young, like, you know, she had the campy kind of thing going on with the old timey, you know, B rated sci-fi movies. I remember all that stuff, but, or I should say horror, not sci-fi. I engaged more with this just from the gameplay I've seen and uh, the art than Munsters. And I've played Munsters and it's not that I hate Munsters, but if I am team Adam's family, I preferred if of the two, I preferred Adam's family to Munsters. But even then I think Munsters is just, it's not I don't know it's just to me it's not like very relevant and it's if you're a certain age you might appreciate monsters 
And I like the gameplay okay. I just not I'm not in love with it. So I can kind of agree with you on that one. Yeah, um definitely Monsters is uh our lowest played game at the bar. So and, and like I and Oh really? Okay. Yeah, cuz we can do audits and things like that. So it's still a dollar. I feel like if they have anything else that they could play, they'll pay for that as opposed to Monsters just cuz the no ball save, just the way that it plays is yeah, it's not conducive to having lesser skilled players. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And it was one of those things where uh, I like the lower play field. It was fun. Um, you know, I, and I've mentioned this listeners, you guys know that I like games that are mean. I thought to me, and I guess it'll probably develop over time as they've done with other Stern has done with other games. The code will be more challenging. Um, but for right now, I, you know, got a really nice score. I did really, really well on like the second game I ever played on it. And to me, that's kind of a big red flag. This game's a little too easy. <laughs> this is just not challenging for me in that sense. I, it's not like I want to lose my money quickly, but I want to lose my money quickly. Because <laughs> I'm like, oh, this is a challenge. <laughs> Which is like so wrong. But oh, well. <laughs> see, that's, see, that's Black Knight to me. Where it's like, God, it's so mean, but you feel so satisfied when you actually do something with it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, totally. You know, if I'm comparing Black Knight to Monsters, you know, I again, Black Knight's not my favorite as well, but I like it much more than I do Monsters. I'm just, I feel bad. I don't want to hate on Monsters. I'm like, it's not terrible. I just don't love it. And and it's one of those things where it's like, I get what they were trying to do, but I'm kind of excited to see Elvira and like actually get to play it because I'm I'm interested to see the haunted house in action and you know like all the different things that it does yeah i completely agree i can't wait to to get a, a chance at it either so um the next big game that got um some love is ghostbusters so ghostbusters got the huge code update and they even i thought this was cool so the are you a god mode which was their their new kind mm-hmm. of wizard mode they have a way now where you can essentially tell the game to start you in the wizard mode essentially, if I, if I understood yeah, that basically. correctly, that's cool. It's just a different way to play. You know, I, I'm a traditionalist at heart. I'm a three ball kind of gal, but I think it's fun, especially if you have people who are new to pinball and that, you know, maybe, you know, you want to do something different and fun. What are your thoughts on it? Again, I always think of things as a tournament director too. Um, Ghostbusters was not my favorite game for just essentially the tournament side of it where it's like if you hard plunge let it bounce up into the scoop you it's basically whoever can do video mode better (laughs) yeah having them nerf that a little bit and then basically completely changing the game um in regards to like uh getting to modes easier things like that um that excites me unfortunately though we don't have a lot of ghostbusters out in the wild in columbus so and I don't think the one that is, I think it's Pins Dublin um, or Pins Downtown, I forget. But the one Ghostbusters that is available for play, they haven't updated it. And I don't know when they're going to or if they're going to. Um, so I really wish that I could actually get to play the new code. We only have one in the wild here in San Antonio that I know of, but I haven't gotten over to it. It's at a bowling alley kind of on the northwest side of San Antonio. University Bowl, man, showing some love. But <laughs> it's a, uh, it's one of those things where I don't even know if they've updated the code there yet. I mean, I'm assuming they have, but um, I'll have to go check that out. But yeah, I could see it from a, from a tournament director. I, I completely agree that it wouldn't be my number one choice to put in a tournament. Like if I had other options, eh, not Ghostbusters. But from a, a playing standpoint, it's it's a it's a favorite of mine. I, I do actually really like it. I've always enjoyed the layout of the shots. Um, the way that it plays. So it was just, it kind of sucked that anytime it was in a tournament or whatever, it would just be the, like I said, it would just be all of us just fighting to get video mode. And how many times can you get video mode? You know, Um, if you can get it every ball, uh, you're sitting at like, I don't know, 120, uh, 130 million points. So it literally just turned into like a race of, who can do that and who can do it the best. And and it just kind of cut the fun of Ghostbusters, you know? Yeah, no, yeah, I can. I'm, I'm yeah. excited to see um, the new code update once, once I can 
find one. Well, friends, if you're listening and you're in the uh, Columbus area, yes, uh, help a girl out. So, uh, <laughs> oh, oh my goodness. So, and the other big one that's out uh, right now, it's so funny. It's, you know, for the longest time, the games would come out every so often, but I feel like every time I yeah. turn around, there is a new game or something's happening. And not too long ago, what, like a month or two ago, we had just had the release of Jurassic Park from Keith Elwin, which I love. and I think is going to become a new classic. I, I really, really like that game. Um, have you had any opportunity to really kind of deep dive into Jurassic Park and play on it? I actually have. We have one at the bars. So that's the, that's the one that I'm most excited to talk about because I have a lot more um a lot more knowledge on it uh just because i've <laughs> literally sat there and have done nothing else uh for a while um but i abs- i really really like um the two games that keith Owen has designed so far uh, i feel like he definitely has a player understanding of what shots um should feel like uh, the combo aspect of it, like just getting that flow rhythm down. Um, and it's still super interesting. The layout is fun. I really, really like how he sneaks in all of the super secret skill shots. And I've been finding them by accident. And it's oh, yeah. awesome when you find them and you're like, oh, look what I just did. And yeah, like the super secret skill shots on Maiden were so fun to find. And now and everybody's like, do you know this one? You're like, yeah, I know that one and that one. What are your favorite things about Jurassic Park besides, you know, um, the kind of the super secret skill shots and things like that? I really like uh, the modes that and again, I feel like both with Iron Maiden and with Jurassic Park, he's whoever he's working with in regards to like the modes and, and, you know, like the actual programming of the machine, they really understand the player in regards to having to combo certain things, having to like, so my favorite mode to do is the system boot. Once you hit the C target, I forget what it is. I forget what it's called. The control room. Ha ha. I remembered. Yeah. So it's like that furthest left shot. Um, and it's the control room. So my favorite thing to do is to get that started and to do the system, uh, system boot, because if you combo it just right, you're looking at huge points and it's just, I don't know. It's just something that you find out as you're playing or like the more you play it, like what's the most lucrative. Um, obviously I really, really enjoy the difficulty of getting to chaos multiball, um, just cause when I first started playing it, I thought it was super unfair because I didn't realize that you were supposed to spell chaos and it had to be like a sequential spelling. Like you didn't, you couldn't just hit whatever shots and then it spot you a letter, you know? Um, and, and, but once I figured it out and, and had to dial in my shots and, and focus on like, okay, I need to hit this. I need to hit this. And then learning how to combo that with certain modes. So like if you start your, rescue or whatever you can combo shots but also complete chaos and i just i think that it's really fun i think that it's really in depth and i really like the flow of the game completely agree there isn't anything i've found so far in jurassic park that i don't like um i want more time on it (laughs) that's my only complaint is that it's you know i'm and I think that, you know, you can kind of maybe commiserate as a tournament director. I I have to go when I'm not doing events because I, I, yeah. I don't get a chance to play as much when I'm running the events because I'm running the events. So it's, you know, one of those I'm going to go on the middle of a Tuesday afternoon and be by myself to play. Um, but yeah, no, I, like I said earlier, I think it's going to be a modern classic and, you know, two for two for Keith Elwin. I mean, it's kind of impressive and just the uh, chance to kind of learn and, and see what he's up to. Uh, I'm excited to see what his, his third game will be. Pinball designers end up having kind of like a style and it's really fun to kind of see, uh, Keith Elwin's like style for, um, aesthetic and for flow in regards to what he's produced so far. So it's going to be really interesting if that sticks or not. Yeah. With the, you know, Iron Maiden, you know, the, everybody knows kind of, or not, maybe not everyone knows, but you know, there's the backstory of, you know, that was a game he developed, you know, before the theme, you know, it was Archer and then, it, you know, got kind of, you know, tweaked and became Iron Maiden. And I, I, I'll be the first to admit, I am not an Iron Maiden music fan 
per se, but I love that game. Like if I had an opportunity, it, it could, you know, if, if my pockets were a little wider, um, you know, I, I would consider putting one in my home collection. You know, it was like, I like it that much. And I can kind of overlook the fact that it's Iron Maiden on the band. But, you know, it's like, maybe if I could like re, you know, program the music. <laughs> But the oh, and and were you at Pinburg? I was not at Pinburg. Well, they did. They they basically did a re uh like a re music theme on it, and uh, there was one that literally played like Prince and Queen and um, David Bowie. It was amazing. So I had a lot of fun playing that one. I mean, the theme of it was still Iron Maiden, but the music was like Queen and other stuff, and. Um, uh, I got really excited about it. I had heard that somebody did that, but I wasn't sure what it played. But oh my God, now I, I, I'm going to be at Pinburg next year. So I'm very excited. I Hopefully that pin will come back. Um, but that would make me so happy. I'm hoping yeah, so. Yeah, all those bands. I'm hu- I love Queen, love Prince, love David Bowie. So um, those are all my jam. Um, much more so than Iron Maiden. But again, the play... The, the flow of Iron Maiden and, and Jurassic Park as well. You know, they, to me, they transcend theme. And to me, theme is very important. Like I got to, yes. you know, jam with the theme or else I'm kind of like that Iron Maiden was one of those, the first games where I thought, okay, this kind of transcends the theme to me, you know, just in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. No, I absolutely agree. I'm excited. I don't know what is up for him next. I mean, he's still resting a little bit from Jurassic Park, but I'm sure they've got something new coming down the pipeline because Stern Stern keeps at it. I mean, the last three games we just talked about were all Stern. Um, you know, I, I we have had releases from Spooky, of course, with Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle, which was great, and uh, uh, Willy Wonka from Jersey Jack. But Stern just, it's just like constant mm-hmm. like flow of games coming out of Stern and updates. It's interesting to see how the other companies are going to be able to keep up with that. Yeah. I mean, I know that Stern's been trying for at least three new pinball machines a year, and it's just, it's, um, that's a daunting task. So, I mean, kudos to them for for pushing them out. And I mean, if they're going to be bangers like Iron Maiden and Jurassic Park, then all for it. Dude. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, kind of wrapped up our, our pseudo news segment <laughs> this week. <laughs> you know, it's hard. Again, props to my friends at thisweekinpinball.com. Jeff is awesome. But that is the challenge with doing a weekly pinball show. And I'm sure he kind of mm. understands as well. It's like, sometimes the news isn't super new. <laughs> So I'm like, well, we'll just talk about what the new stuff is out because I like talking to other players and other organizers just to hear their thoughts on the latest games. So you can always make the new segment work. I like your perspective because you can look at it from not only from the competition aspect, but also as a league organizer and tournament director because it is different. Even though it is still competitive, it's different when you're trying to organize a tournament. And and moving into kind of our deep dive segment on yourself, you just put together the women's event at the Cleveland Pinball and Arcade Show. Could you tell our listeners a little bit about what that was all about and how that came to be? Yeah, um, I uh, this was going to be the first annual or it was the first annual Women's Royal Rumble of Cleveland, which is, you know, Cleveland uh, pinball and arcade show and short for that. But, um, I wanted to try to make a tournament that wasn't just tacked on last minute, uh, for the most part on most, like most expo shows or most shows. Um, it, it's basically a three strike knockout, you know, just like one of the nights or whatnot, you know, um, 20 to 30 women come out or that are already there. And what I had wanted to do was create an all day event for women that wanted to, you know, participate in something that they actually got excited about and it was and something that they traveled for or something that they actually came out specifically for instead of, you know, just catching them. Um, at you know around the floor and being like hey just do this tournament real quick and no like I wanted to do something that was a little bit bigger than that a little bit more put together and I couldn't have done it without you know my team that helped me um assistant you know like my assistant TDs my streaming um we actually got a room 
And I have to thank Don Johnson, who is the person that puts together the Cleveland Pinball and Arcade Show. Uh, he actually got us a separate room away from the main floor so that we wouldn't be disturbed. And that's another thing that I've noticed about a lot of different shows is that we, uh, especially the smaller shows, you know, um, because it's just tacked on, you don't really get a choice of games. You don't really get a, you know, you basically have to deal with what's given to you. Uh, a lot of the times you're on the main floor itself or, you know, they try to like block off a small bank for you. And it just, it creates problems. You know, it, a lot of people don't respect that. Um, we're trying to run a tournament um, or whatnot. And I just wanted to make sure and ensure that everybody kind of had this like a special space just for them um, so that they could enjoy the event to its fullest and not have to worry about people, you know, coming in and starting starting a game or like just walking in and whatnot. So I wanted to create this kind of safe space. And um, luckily after I'd done the Ohio show for, for Don and Marvin and Tommy, uh, they asked me to do the Cleveland show as well. And that was the one that I really wanted to sit down and just kind of really think about um, a, a more unique tournament format and then um, go from there. No, I think it was really awesome. And I laugh. And some of you may have heard uh, me talking about our small tournament. It was nowhere on the size of yours. But we also did a, a Summer Slam, which was a kind of homage to wrestling as well. So when I saw that yours was kind of a Royal Rumble uh, style, just I just cracked up. And you and we had a belt, too. And I was, uh, great minds think alike. I got to get with this girl, Kim. She seems one of my people. Because <laughs> everybody's, you know, Lauren, what what is this? I'm like, I'm, I'm channeling glow right now, you guys. That's that's what I'm envisioning. We need a belt. And the guys are so funny. Wow, you got a belt and everything. I'm not going to, you know, go halfway on this, y'all. We are going to go. If we're going to do this, we're going to do it right. So you got to have the belt. And your belt was awesome. So I loved it. Well, and that's what I said, too. I was like, well, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to go all out. The only thing that I didn't do was have, like, everybody come in with, like, intro music or something. <laughs> I, I left it, you know. Uh, but... Yeah, I mean, people seriously were floored at the fact that I actually went went through. And again, a big thanks to Kid Force Collectibles because they ended up sponsoring uh, the belt being made. Um, and I have to thank all of the sponsors that ended up just because we it was a free to enter tournament um, outside of you know uh, the price of entry into the show. Um, so we relied heavily on our sponsors, including you which is awesome and i appreciate it oh no problem it helped me tremendously no i was happy to do it i want to support women events and being the i don't want to say the only podcast but the the only podcast that is completely female focused well i should put my money where my mouth is and you know sponsor <laughs> this stuff that's out there and you know i i i had never you you're the you're you were the first event i sponsored and that's why i wanted to make sure i had you on the show uh not necessarily because i sponsored you but because I was like, well, you know, it's kind of interesting to have that interaction with, you know, somebody who's organized a tournament um, that I was in a small way a part of. So I don't even know how that works. But guys, I just literally I messaged Kim, didn't know who she was. You know, I'm like, hey, you want some money? So, you know, I'll, be, I'll give you some money. I'll be a sponsor. Sure. I don't know how this works. And then I like a weirdo was like, yes, I would love some money. <laughs> and I do agree with you. And we've had that challenge too here in Texas. You know, we want the women's events to not be the tack on events. And you described it perfectly. It's that, oh, well, all the, the top ranked women in the tournament, you guys will have your own little thing uh, during the lunch break over here. You know, I'm like, ah, we should have our own yeah, exactly. thing. Um, for us to be taken more seriously and just for us to feel valued in a way as tournament players, you know, we should have our own thing and it should be a thing that's separate, you know, just in a completely separate event, not just tacked on uh, or, you know, done during the break or something. So well done you. Well, thank you. And honestly, I think every single person that participated, we had 44 women come out, had such a great time that the only complaint was that the room ended up being too small. 
because we had so many women. Well, that's an awesome problem to have. (laughs) Yes. I was happily surprised and like just, I felt so appreciative. And like I said, I couldn't have done it without my team and whatnot, but I'm excited. We're already like, at least I'm already planning for next year's event. Uh, It had went so well that Dawn um, has guaranteed us an even larger room. Um, So yeah, I know we're expanding and I would love for people to like, we might even have to cap it at 64 players. And I would love for people to actually, you know, I want women. And that was something that I've taught. Wasn't you. It was somebody else. I think I was talking to Karen. Um, but it was a thing um, that I've been, I don't know. It's one of those things where it's like, I feel like women don't travel yeah, as much for singular events. Um, and it's one of those things where it's like, I aim to change that. I want to make an event or I want to make events, um, even if it starts off as like one or two a year, that is a standalone, just large tournament event female-based. I mean, I've done it for our open league and for our open tournaments, but I would like to do it as well for um, for just a women's tournament that is a freestanding. It's by itself. It's not, you know, a sidecar. <laughs> and I want women to actually be able to, like, make plans and want to travel and want to go to this specific event because of this and not because, oh, it's just happening on one of the days or whatnot, you know? So that's kind of my goal for 2020. And I would love to see that where women's events weren't in in addition to, you know, and I get it, you know, especially the super competitive people who are there for Whoppers and things, the open division events have more points and oh well they have other things going on but you know what maybe we need to have like a lady version of pinberg or something to that effect you know where it's just a a women's tournament weekend where you know we have events and and do sorts of things like that i mean i would love that i think that would be awesome i don't think it's so far-fetched to you know be out of the realm of possibility you know the way things are going, I think it's a totally doable goal. Yeah, I mean, and that's again, that's something that I'm I'm very passionate about is um and it's something that I've talked to multiple people about where I I think of IFPA and I think of like the competitive scene almost like a little company. And I would like to see more women in upper management positions. Um, so not just competitive player wise, but like organizing wise. Um, and I think that, you know, in the next couple of years, pushing more um, women to involve themselves in creating larger events or involving themselves in even like the pinball shows that are, that happen all around the country um, or whatnot. Yeah. Me, that's very, very important. Yeah. And the thing is, you know, uh, if we want more diverse spaces, we have to be part of the conversation. Um, and we have to be more visible in in leadership roles, um, whether that be with the IFPA or, or whatever kind of pinball show is in your, your neighborhood. You know, for people listening around the world, this doesn't necessarily just have to be like Pinburg or whatever. It can be just your local pinball scene, you know, getting involved just at a local level and making sure that there are women's events, whether they be tournaments or, or leagues or bells and chimes or, or whatever. Um, just, you know, starting there, but we have to get more involved. And I, there's a, a portion of people that are like, that I, I'm very big on the, you can complain, but you better be coming at me with a solution or with a handout to help. <laughs> you can't just sit there and complain and not want to help. So I, you know, I, I, I hope that that would be my dream. I think that would be awesome. I would love to sponsor an event that was a completely all women's tournament weekend. I think that would be amazing. So put me down for that. If that happens, Kim, <laughs> I'll keep you updated. I'll keep you posted. Oh my goodness. That, that is uh, kind of leading into kind of the, the next segment. Um, you, since you mentioned a little bit about the IFPA and since you are a tournament director, I know we talked about it on the last episode, everyone, but I, I don't have tournament directors on here all the time here being the podcast. So since I have you, Kim, what do you feel or, you know, I'm I'm trying to do the poll and the conversation that I 
I feel did not happen <laughs> when they instituted the dollar. But uh, Kim, from your perspective, um, not only as a tournament director, but as somebody who runs women's events, what is your take on the IFPA dollar in 2020? I have quite a bit feelings. I have a lot of feelings. Um, but it's one of those things where it's like, I don't necessarily agree because, um, to me, bells and chimes in a lot of other women's only events and women's only, uh, leagues or tournaments or what, um, are meant as a landing ground, you know, like that to me, I, I always viewed it as a space for women to become involved in the hobby and to decide if it's something that they wanted to do more because the more competitive they get, the more they'll most likely will do open events or whatnot. But to me, the women's only events was supposed to be something educational, was supposed to be something social and was supposed to bring in new players and uh, diversify the scene and pull in women into a comfortable space, a comfortable landing zone. Um, and the dollar, and, and so the dollar fee is supposed to act kind of like, um, you know, the regular dollar fee that we do for all open events, but that goes to our States, you know, to the state finals that goes to nationals, you know, et cetera, et cetera. This on the other hand when when you're paying for a dollar per person and you're only taking eight women from that those actual rankings as quote unquote wild cards i think it's i think it's asinine like i think i don't why why charge it if 16 other women the other 16 players the main group of players are still coming from the open open rankings which means that they have to compete in the open tournaments, which means they're already paying the dollar fee. Mm -hmm. So to me, it's like, why put the tax on something that was supposed to be educational and something that was supposed to be bringing in new players? Yeah, that's that's an excellent point. Yeah. And and then it goes even further um, with the international portion of it. You're now you're now p- making women that are, you know, out of the country who honestly, for the most part, aren't going to go again to to North America and compete in these, you know, like in the women's world championships. Because if you look at the rankings, if you look at the ranking systems, for the most part, we're, most of the women, you know, that are in the top are in North America because, you know, we have more events or we have more women's only tournaments and whatnot. So it's like when they do do that, you know, I feel like, I don't know, at least to me, I, I don't necessarily uh, agree uh, with the dollar fee. I'm sure there's been lots of talk and I know that, you know, um, I know that. People are are currently working on it, and uh, I don't want to, like, devolve too much uh, or divulge too much, I suppose. But, uh, yeah, I I do have very strong feelings in regards to, like, it's either, either, you know, don't charge the dollar fee since you're still taking the main group of women from open tournaments and just set aside – you know, money that you've raised with the regular dollar fee for the open tournaments and don't charge, you know, don't charge the women's events. I think that those are excellent points. And uh, a couple of those were even brought up on our last episode with Danny from the international perspective. You know, there is that cost uh, prohibitive part of they can't participate in a lot of the events because a lot of the events are here uh, stateside. And, you know, how do they, you know, be a part, how are they able to compete with a system that favors, you know, the U.S. to a certain extent, you know, um, or a ranking system that favors people who live in North America. So it's, it's, it's challenging. And, you know, I, I know that uh, IFPA is working on it. I know that there have been a group of ladies who are um, talking about 
um, possibly, you know, breaking away and having a separate women's um, organization that would be separate from IFPA. I know that that's also been a discussion as well. Um, I don't know what the answer is. I I really want to be a a safe space for people like yourself and other uh, people who play competitive pinball or just are interested in the competitive aspect of it to have a, a safe space to talk about and talk this out and have the sounding board and get other people to listen and understand the, the challenges and the dynamics of women in this hobby and the sport. Um, because I think there are a lot of nuances that maybe aren't understood or maybe really readily seen from people who participate in the open division. Um, so it, it's a challenge. I mean, um, we, I, I want to, you know, I, uh, being somebody who organizes events and, and I do this podcast and everything, I want more women in the hobby, not less. And anything we can do to, um, you know, bring more women into the hobby, I think is a good thing. And I don't necessarily think we're going to do it with the dollar. And again, there's Lauren's, you know, line in the sand. <laughs> I feel like I've just become like this, like ranter, like, I don't like the dollar, no dollar. Um, but I, I just, I just don't think we're there yet. I think that, you know, it needs, it, like I said, it needs some tweaking. Um, but I think that there needs to be more conversations. And I think that there just need to be more women in the room when those conversations are happening. I absolutely agree. Um, can't talk about everything because if not, they'll find me and they'll take me out. But oh my gosh, <laughs> they're watching me. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> but I I know that there are I know that there's a lot of talk, and I know that it's not it's not something that's unfixable. It is something that is definitely fixable. It's definitely something that we can tweak. It's something that can be addressed and. I believe will be addressed and I'm excited for people um, in the future. Um, I'm excited for women and competitive pinball in general um, because I think that there is, there's development in the landscape and it'll, it's, it, again, I can't, I can't divulge too much or they'll, they'll come to find me. <laughs> so don't worry, we'll keep you safe. Uh, we'll have to put you in like you know pinball witness protection. Basically, I don't know all. Yeah, listeners, I don't know all the details, but there there have been like I said some talks, and we've talked a little bit about this about possibly some changes. I, I hope we'll know more in the future. Um, if you find out more or when you're ready to divulge more, Kim, I, I'd love to have you back on the show for that for sure. One other thing I want to talk to you about and. I don't know how to frame this in a way <laughs> like how do I frame this? One of the things that I think is a challenge is diversity in pinball. Um, uh, and it's one of the things where I love about my women's events because yes, we're all women, but we're women from different backgrounds, um, different nationalities, um, and particularly in my home league, different you know walks of life. Listeners, you can't see us, but both Kim and I are Latina. <laughs> so I, you know, I feel that this is a, a unique perspective that I don't necessarily get to address very often. Kim, what are your thoughts about diversity in pinball? And what do you think are some challenges or maybe some things that we could do to help kind of make a more diverse and more open landscape for women of all nationalities, all races, and all genders and ways of life? Yeah, we hit the inter uh, intersectionality <laughs> right there. Um, <laughs> uh, I... I will say that literally, I believe in Columbus, we have two Hispanic players that play. And that is our current state champ, Carlos De La Cerda, and myself. Um, so I don't, it's, a, it's a loaded question. Yeah, I know. I was kind of afraid to ask. I didn't know if I should ask you or not. I listeners, I really didn't. I, you know, it's one of those things where I'm like, I want to ask the question because I feel it's important. But at the same time, whenever anybody asks me this question, oh no, 
am I am I holding the flag for all my people? I was like, do I need to answer this question on behalf of everybody? Yeah, no, no, we'll we'll step on it. I'll step in it. Don't worry. I've I've actually had this conversation multiple times with people, and you're and you're right. I I run a league. Uh, I run an open house league out of my bar uh, every Monday. Uh, Sixty five people come out. And I am the only Latina and I am the only person of color. It is definitely an old white man sport. Yeah. It's really, it's, that has been my biggest thing. And that has been like my biggest struggle is to try to engage to interest people that are a bit more diverse or that are different ethnicities or, or whatnot. And it's one of those things where it's like, it's still something that I'm struggling to do. And it's something that I'm struggling to, to um, bring in. And I don't know, honestly, like it's one of those things where it's like, I don't know the answer and I don't know how to help diversify the scene. It's kind of frustrating because it's like, I, I want to open, like I want my open league to be even more diverse than what it is. Luckily we have such a strong showing of women and competitive women in Columbus that are, like I said, out of 65 people, I want to say like a good, I don't know, maybe I, I'm sure I can number crunch and actually find you the correct number, but in a guesstimation, probably like 25 to 30 uh, are women. That's fantastic. Exactly. Like that's something that's big. I might've uh, inflated the numbers a little bit, but it's around the twenties. I'll just say that. Um <laughs> But yeah, so now my whole entire thing at this point is, okay, well, we have a solid, you know, like a solid showing of women. How do I diversify this? So how do I get people um, that are more like me or, you know, that have that different background or are, are different ethnicities? And it's one of those things where it's like, I don't quite, I don't quite know. And I don't know what's... I don't know what's stopping it because honestly, level one is a pretty diverse place. Um, and Columbus in general is considered an extremely diverse, um, city, especially it's con- considered one of the most, um, progressive Midwest city. Uh, so there's, yeah. So, th- oh, that's awesome. I did not know that about Columbus. Yeah, so there's like, there's a large, um, we are also considered one of the largest, um, LGBTQ friendly, uh, cities in the Midwest as well. Yay! So it's one of those things where it's like, gosh, well, the people are here. How do I do it? <laughs> I don't know. I didn't, ex- I mean, if you had an answer, I was going to be, oh my God, <laughs> let me write this down. <laughs> um, you know, it, I just asked the question because I am lucky in the sense of we have a very diverse group here in San Antonio. But for those of you not from San Antonio, obviously, we're only a few hours from the border. We're the largest city next to near Mexico. But we are a very diverse group. I mean, San Antonio is over 50% um, Hispanic Latino backgrounds for people who live here. That is very reflected in our ladies league. So which is really nice. But whenever I go to an event that is not here in San Antonio, I'm like, Oh, oh. Yep. <laughs> I'm like, okay, then. And, so- <laughs> and I don't say it to, you know, I'm not mad. I'm not like, oh, well, you know, I'm not. It, it's more of like, I want this to reflect more of mm. my life and like the way that my life is very diverse and like this hobby I feel could benefit from right. some diversity um, from all different types, not just uh, race and ethnicity, but also, you know, gender and also, you know, just different lifestyles. I feel that it would benefit the hobby as opposed to take away from it. And that's, and I'll say yeah. that all day long. <laughs> I mean, uh, diversity is definitely good. <laughs> You you don't want to play the same pinball game all day. You want some different pinball games. You need some different people. So there. And it is one of those things where, and then that was another thing that I've talked about too, is like trying to get a different viewpoint and, and more women, more people of color involved again, not only in the competitive portion of it, but in the upper management portion, you know, working at these companies so that we have a different viewpoint so that we bring a different perspective. Um, because you're right. There is such a large intersectionality where it's like, 
um, yeah, we're not only are we trying to bring in this minority, but we're also we also have to remember that there's also on you know like all of these different minorities that aren't you know included, and I consider women in in pinball a, a minority because they are, and we are, and um, but then we hit you know that other diversity aspect of trying to get different ethnicities involved. And it's one of those things, again, I'm an extremely competitive person. Um, I, I think that's why I really, really like playing in open leagues and in open tournaments. Cause when someone told me like, Hey, you need to run this league and you need to do this. And, you know, we would like, you know, like for this to happen. I'm like, okay, well, I mean, I guess I can't run it if I'm not good. So I better get good. And <laughs> And that's me. And so for us, uh, we have a lot of um, like our fighting game community is huge, which is like, you know, uh, the guys that like and it's a lot of younger guys that like end up sitting there and playing like Street Fighter and Marvel versus, you know, like all of those stuff. And for some reason, they have decided that pinball is the new thing. Like, you know, they have to be good at it. And so that's a saying that they have where it's like, well, I guess you got to get good. And so that's kind of, I'm always a very competitive person. So I like doing that, but then I'm always like, I just want to be the best brown Latina girl here in Columbus who shows these guys what's up. And so I don't know. It's just, I wish I could get more, more women and more people of color to just be like, yeah, let's like, you know, let's, let's overrun this scene. Let's do something. God. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> no i love it i love it well we have just been chatting up a storm and i have just enjoyed having you on the show so much kim and i would love for you to come back when you're not under the uh threat of, of you know uh of whoever's following you and watching you um and you can share more about what's going on i'd love to hear um, the details. But uh, as we come to the end of the show, we do a segment called Inside the Pinball Studio, where I ask you um, some questions and find out more about your pinball mind. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right, here we go. Question number one, what game do you love? Medieval Madness. It is the bestest. I love that game. That's a good one. What, what is it that you love about Medieval Madness? It was the first game that I completely learned backwards towards inside and out it is i sat there and threw a large portion of my paycheck <laughs> yeah i like that i like <laughs> all, right. all right question number two what game do you hate oh i think we already talked about this one that was monsters <laughs> I'm, I'm like i don't hate it i just don't love it no no i understand I understand. We're going to have like Monsters Anonymous here. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's okay. Um, all right. Question number three. What is your favorite pinball art? This can be cabinet art, play field art, or back glass art. Xenon, hands down. That's my girlfriend. Oh, it's beautiful. Oh, my God. Yeah, no, it, artwork on Xenon is amazing. So, yeah, no, good choice. I don't, I'm trying to think if anybody is, I know Xenon's been mentioned, but I don't know if it's been anybody's favorite pin art package. So, nice. I like that one. Uh, what is your favorite pinball sound? This can be music or it can be a particular sound that a machine makes. You're going to hear Xenon a lot for me. Xenon. <laughs> ah, ah, ah. Like, that's oh, so good. It's so bad. I love it. <laughs> All right. Question number five. What is your favorite tournament, festival, or expo to play in or attend? I mean, I'll, I'll, I'm going to have to say Pinburg. It is the popular answer of choice. Yeah, <laughs> what is it that you love about Pinburg? It's my vacation, man. I wait all year. Um, I don't get a lot of vacation from the bar. Uh, and for some reason, my general manager likes to chastise me every time I do put in the request for replay effects but that's my that's that's my vacation because after Pinburg uh a group of us ends up end up going to Ron um he lives like an hour out of Pittsburgh uh and his barn is like Willy Wonka's oh oh the silver ball saloon yep. is that the yeah Oh my gosh. So I'm sorry, I divert because my friend Mike, who works on my machines, hey Mike, MJM Amusements, he put up a post on Facebook that he met Ron. That place looks amazing. It oh. is 
phenomenal. It is fantastic. So I end up, so when I take off for Pinburg, I literally take off almost five to six days because not only am I going from Thursday to Sunday, but then I stay an extra like day or two um, just to go and find a sleeping you know, find space on the floor to like sleep in his Willy Wonka barn of amazing pinball machines and like just paraphernalia everywhere. It's so cool. For those of you who haven't seen, I know we got a lot of pinheads that listen, so you're very well aware of the Silver Ball Saloon, but I will include a YouTube video so you can see what we're talking about because words don't do this justice. No, (laughs) It is something you have to see. I shouldn't say that as a, somebody who produces a podcast, but that's all about words, but uh, (laughs) it is definitely something to behold. Uh, No, I I think that that's an excellent one. Trust me. Uh, But yeah, no, Pinberg's super popular. Yeah. I I like Pinberg. I see all my friends that I don't get to see all year round. It is pinball summer camp as that's what people refer to it as. Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness. Question number six. What is your grail pin? This is the pinball machine that you aspire to own, or maybe you do own it, but what is your number one pinball machine that you covet more than anything? Oh, easy. Lord of the Rings. So why is this your grail pin? Um, Like you, theme matters a lot to me. I am what I consider... um, I don't know if that's appropriate. Never mind. Um, so I just, I, <laughs> I really like themes. I care about my movies a lot. Um, I just, Lord of the Rings is one. I literally have um, the DVD set for Lord of the Rings, the DVD extended when they released them into Blu-ray for the first time, the Blu-ray extended when they released those. And then I have the golden box set blu-ray edition um i am a huge lord of the rings fan um all the books the movies i just i could quote it and i need the pinball machine i need it no excellent choice excellent choice i like that one i I mean it's a great game too so um all right question number seven who would you most like to play head-to-head this can be uh, somebody that you just enjoy playing with, somebody you've never played with, but you aspire to play with. It can be anybody you like. Hmm. Well, okay. So the person I most enjoy playing with, I'll just keep it at that because, I mean, if I get a play, like, I don't, I don't have anybody that I covet playing with, but the person I most enjoy playing with is my good friend, uh, Josh Mullet. He is ridiculous and hilarious and I think he keeps pinball fun for me um so we end up doing just the most ridiculous things when we're playing pinball together there have been times where he just grabs a stool out of nowhere and just climbs on top of it and says this is how we're playing for the rest of the game and it's like sure man let's do it and he's just silly and funny and he just always reminds me to never take pinball too seriously because as he has this like big vibrant um, black and pink uh, t-shirt with the words it's just effing pinball on it and he just <laughs> always reminds me to have fun because sometimes people get just way too competitive and angry and you know I've played with too many like overly competitive people women and men even even though I joke and say that I'm super competitive I always like to like, if I, if I lose, I lose, but like, he always reminds me to just have fun and be silly and enjoy it. No, I think that's a great way to look at it. And you know, y'all, it's just pinball, calm down. Even though I get kind of a little sped up sometimes, especially if I'm in the middle of a tournament or something, but at the end of the day, it's just pinball. Y'all calm down. Calm down. It, it'll it be okay. I promise. I, I love that answer. And I hope to meet Josh sometime. He sounds cool. He's ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> okay, final question. What is your dream theme? This is a theme that has never been produced by a major manufacturer, but you would like to see come to life. Oh, I'm so glad you asked me this because I have I have one that I've been like uh yeah, I, I knock on people's door and say, Do you have a moment to talk about my pinball theme that I want to create? You know, I have my little Jesus pamphlets <laughs> and everything, like, here, let me convert you. This is a great idea. Um <laughs> <laughs> I know it's and it's so silly when I say it. People are just like the what? Um, 
I really want a Cornetto trilogy. Because again, I'm a theme and a movie person. I really want a Cornetto trilogy pinball machine. And if you're not unfamiliar with the Cornetto trilogy, it is Edgar Wright's uh three movies that he created with Simon Pegg and Nick Frost, which includes Shaun of the Dead. Um, it, okay. yeah, it includes Hot Fuzz and At World's End. And it's just, I already, I like, I have it envisioned. I have everything. I, w- I have like the video modes figured out. I have the multi-balls figured out. Just someone hire me. I have this idea. <laughs> and it's going to be so great. <laughs> Everybody loves Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. This is going to be an amazing pinball machine. <sighs> Get so pumped. When you said it, I was why does that sound familiar? And I'm, okay, I don't know what this is. And then as soon as you, I was, oh, the, okay. <laughs> I know exactly what this is now. No, I, that would be so much fun. I remember the first time I saw Shaun of the Dead and I was laughing hysterically. This is the funniest movie ever. No, I could totally see that being a machine, a trilogy, like because you'd have to do all three. Um, you couldn't do, do just one. You'd have to. Do well, one. and that was my thing was like if we did the Cornetto trilogy pinball machine, we like we could infuse all three of them. Because uh, no, trust me, I've literally thought this through. I have I have created diagrams <laughs> and spiels. Um, but you know the video mode would probably like there'd be one from Shaun of the Dead. Like so, it would be like a video mode for each movie. So you'd have three different video modes that you can do. But like one of the video modes would be from Shaun of the Dead where he's where they're going through the vinyls and they're like because they're trying to throw it at the zombie <laughs> and they're just like oh you can't throw that that's purple mm-hmm. rain um and then they're like what about the soundtrack of blah 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 <laughs> yeah throw the soundtrack and it was just such a silly <laughs> moment but it's like you could have like a little video mode of like your person you know and you have to like select left or right flipper you know if you're gonna throw it or not and then if you throw wrong you know that ends your video mode or whatever and then you know the the wizard mode would obviously be from at world's end when you know the being or whatever um comes down and whatnot and they're like yeah we should be free to do whatever we want anyways sorry i i know these movies way too much but (laughs) if you actually get through the wizard mode and you beat it basically the alien was just like you know what f it I'm going home. And then he just like leaves and it's like, that's it. And then like the pinball machine would die and like reset itself. And then, you know, you would start over kind of thing, but like, or something, I don't know, (laughs) but I have a lot of ideas about this and I just, I need somebody to listen to me and not think I'm crazy. I love it. I think that is an awesome pick. Oh my gosh, Kim, I've enjoyed having you on the show. How was it? So being this was your first podcast, what do you think? I was very nervous at the start, but like I told you, I'm very, very long-winded. So I'm pretty sure once I got it going, I just, I probably won't stop. So. <laughs> well, Kim, again, loved having you on the show. I hope you'll come back sometime, uh, maybe even to talk more um, Columbus Pinball and all the goodness you've got going on. For people that want to find out more about you or what's going on in Columbus Pinball-wise, um, where are some places they can find you online? So obviously you can find me on Facebook. You can search Kim Martinez. Um, and then I also run a league group page uh, for our Silver Ball League. And if you search up level one silver ball league, uh, we should come up and you're more than welcome to join. Uh, that's where I post all of our events. Um, all of our, you know, we have a couple of charity tournaments coming up. Um, one is a big one for pins for pins Saturday, November 9th. Um, it's all the money goes to people in need in Delaware. Uh, basically they help provide services for people that cannot financially um, support themselves at the time. So it's like emergency, you know, like paying their bills for them. If, like if they don't have money to like make the electricity bill during the winter or something like that. Um, and then they'd also have a different little uh, section where they help assist people with medical cards and like getting prescriptions and stuff like that. Um, so in case that they do not have the money to get say heart medication or, you know, things like that or insulin, uh, they basically try to help and provide them with the funds to do that, which is where our money goes. So all of the coin drop gets donated and then all of the money that like the entry fee and when we waive the dot, well, we cover the dollar fee. Uh, so that we can ensure that's really yeah. awesome. So that is our like my next big tournament that uh, I'll be 
I'll be putting on here in the next month or so. Yay. Well, that sounds amazing. We'll put all those links in the show notes, y'all. You can find those there. And Kim, again, thank you so much for coming on the show. Really, really appreciate it. And uh, just loved having you on. Thank you so much for having me, Lauren. All right, guys. Next week, we are going to have Miss Wonder Woman herself hailing from our friends up north, Canada. Miss Julie Dorsers is going to be on the show next week. So tune in for that. If you have any questions about the show, if you'd like to comment, if you have a suggestion on somebody who should be on the show, just feel free to reach out. The email address is backboxpinballpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for joining us and keep flipping. Thanks for listening to the Backbox Pinball Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. To get pinball fun delivered to you every week, subscribe to our podcast on your podcatcher of choice. Also, we'd love for you to post a review on Apple Podcasts. To look at show notes and more, visit our website at backboxpinballpodcast.fireside.fm. Again, that's backboxpinballpodcast.fireside.fm. Thanks for taking us with you, and keep flipping! Keep flipping!